0: And we were just paddling away, and then it was all good. Everything was smooth. Then we had to turn this thing around and go back. And uh, we were paddling upstream, and she kind of got tired. And so Big Dad has to do it, right? And I'm like, man, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Easy see, Pastor, what in the world does that have to do with the message? Nothing, except for this. I'm going to paddle a little upstream, <laughs> most preachers, myself included, don't usually preach on a holiday that is past. But I'm burdened for today to continue to talk about Thanksgiving. Now, you know, the Bible says in the end time, one of the signs that people will be unthankful. It bothers me. And this is why for me, you can do whatever you want to do. I don't care. For me, I try to celebrate thanksgiving what bothers me in our society is that we go from halloween which i don't really celebrate anyway to christmas and it's like thanksgiving is just kind of a a comma maybe maybe just in passing but i do think that it is the need of the hour that we recognize that we need to be grateful and uh, so i was going to do three sunday nights i decided just to finish it today so a couple of weeks ago, we looked at a message called The Call to Gratitude. I don't remember that or not, but I said God has called us to be grateful, and we looked at four reasons. We said because he created us, because he cleansed us, because he commanded us, and because he commissioned us to gratefulness. And what I want to do this morning is I want to preach a message that I have entitled The Keys to Gratitude. And this is going to be a topical message. We'll look at three passages, starting in Habakkuk chapter 3. And then tonight, I want to talk about some hindrances to gratitude. And really, what I found that hinders us from being grateful is sometimes a mindset. I'll give you one of them right now. You ever known anybody that has an entitlement mentality? I deserve, I deserve an entitlement mentality will cause you to be ungrateful. It will. because you're not going to get everything you think you deserve. <laughs> we live in the real world, right? And uh, so I hope you'll come back tonight, and we'll look at some hindrances to gratitude. We will sing all Christmas, though technically I think there was a little more Christmas in here uh, than maybe was uh, mentioned. We'll sing Christmas tonight. We'll have our church decorated for Christmas and uh, Christmas is a wonderful time of year. How many, for you, Christmas is the, your favorite time of the year? Okay, good. You know, I, I really uh, debate between Thanksgiving and Christmas, to be honest with you. I love uh, Thanksgiving, I love uh, taking time to reflect uh, upon the goodness of the Lord. And uh, so I gave you enough time to find Habakkuk, some of these small Old Testament books. You have to say, where, where is this? Where is this? And so we're here. And I want to read three verses at the end of chapter number three. And then we're going to look at three keys to gratitude. The Bible says in verse 17, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olives shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flocks shall be cut off from the fold. And there shall no herd in the stalls, there shall be no herd in the stalls. Verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my strength instruments. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you for the encouragement that at least I've received already, and I trust your people have, from interacting with one another and uh, from singing praises to you together. And Lord, as we listen to the special music, thank you for stirring our hearts. And Lord, we need you to do now what only you can do, and that is take truth and speak to our hearts. And Lord, I yield myself as your instrument. I recognize I can't do anything to help anybody. but I pray that you would use me to speak truth, And I ask that you would be glorified in what's said and done. And Lord, help us to be more intentional about being grateful. You are a great God, and you daily load us with benefits. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I want us to see in Habakkuk chapter number three, the first key is what I'm calling a choice to acknowledge your Lord. In verse number 17, you see a description. God often would allow his enemies as to, to come in, the enemies of God uh, or of God's people to come in and invade God's people. In this particular passage, the Chaldean invasion, gives a description in verse number 17 of what's going to happen to the land. The land would be uh, stripped. The land would be desolate. Verse 17 The fig tree shall not blossom. The fruit shall, uh, neither shall fruit be in the vines. Hey, the crop is going to be bad. The labor of the olives shall fall. The fields shall yield no meat. The flocks shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Habakkuk is describing the land and what it's going to be uh, when the Chaldean invasion comes. But I want you to notice verse number 18, the next verse. He says, yet I will. A choice is made. And I want us to recognize that gratitude, by the way, there's a link to the word rejoice and the word thankfulness in the word of God. They come from the same root word. When you look at the New Testament, I haven't studied out the Old Testament as well. I was studying for this, and I thought, oh, we'll talk about that another time. But in the the New Testament, the words are linked. The reality is, if we're going to be thankful people, there needs to come a decision in our lives where we look at our circumstances and recognize, hey, my circumstances are bad, or my circumstances aren't what I think they should be, yet I... Will. I'll make a choice. I want you to see, first of all, this choice was a personal choice. He chose to rejoice instead of complain. He chose to rejoice instead of worry. He chose to rejoice instead of fear. You know, the reality is, if we're going to be thankful, we're going to have to recognize that we've got to acknowledge the Lord. This, the, 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 the author says here, I will rejoice in the Lord. You see, sometimes you can't rejoice in your circumstances, but you can rejoice in the God of your circumstances. And we see that it's a personal choice. I think concerning Acts chapter number 16, Paul and Silas are beaten. They're out, they're preaching the the gospel, and and they're taken into uh, captivity, and they're put in prison. And before they're put into prison, they're beaten. And the Bible says in verse 25 of Acts 16, they prayed and sang praises to God. Can we look at that passage of Scripture and say, oh, they only did that because they weren't suffering pain? I don't think we can. I think they were suffering pain. I think they were suffering hurt. I think they were suffering disappointment that came. They're out preaching. Any of you ever been accused of doing something wrong and you didn't do it? (laughs) They weren't doing anything wrong. The authorities there just weren't happy that they're winning people to Christ that are hindering their pocketbook. And yet they make a decision to rejoice in the Lord. Many times the Word of God makes statements like this. Nehemiah 8 and verse number 10, The joy of the Lord is our strength. And Psalm 33, verse 1, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise is calmly for the upright. Philippians 3 and verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. It is a rejoicing in the Lord, in who he is. The the writer says this, verse 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. But verse 19, the Lord is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon my high places. Rejoicing in who God is. Rejoicing in what God has done. When my wife and I met, we were poor college students. And uh, we fell in love. And we decided that we were going to get married. And we still, well, she still owed a school bill. I guess I did too. We kinda, did we combine them together? Maybe we combined them together. And we still owed a school bill. And we had people to tell us, you should wait until you get that school bill paid off before you get married. But we were in love. We didn't have that much money. But here was our thought. You know what? We have each other. You still feel that way, baby? Oh, she still feels that way. We have each other. We don't need anything else. We'll work it out. We'll figure it out. We did, by the way. She went to work for Bob Jones University, and I was an operations manager in a golf company. And all of her money went to pay our school bills. And she would come home, and sometimes she'd say, here, I have a check for $2. I said, oh, you can keep that. Yeah, you can have that. Because all of her money just went to pay. Now, it was our money, so she. I gave her lots of money. You know, it was all our money together. Of course, we never had lots of money. But i tell you that story to say this. Do you know, when you have the Lord, you have everything that you need. And we can look around at our circumstances, and we can say, this thing's not going the way that I think it should go. But I have the Lord, and I am going to rejoice in the Lord, in the God of my salvation. Do you know nobody can take that away from you? Do you know someday the trumpet's going to sound and the dead in Christ's going to rise and we that are are alive and remain be caught up together with the Lord and will so forever be with the Lord? Nobody can take that away from you. You say, yeah, but things aren't going here the way I should. This world's not your home. You're just passing through. And things aren't going to go the way that we think that we should. And if I choose to rejoice in my circumstance or to be, try to be thankful in my circumstance, sometimes it's a challenge. But when I choose to rejoice in the Lord, the God of my circumstances, boy, I think that's where we find rejoicing. That's where I think we find a gratefulness in our hearts. Uh, rejoice in the Lord, Psalm 97, verse 12. Ye righteous, give thanks At the remembrance of his holiness, Isaiah said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. God and the greatness of God someone wrote this. I'm thankful, Lord, for many things. I'm dedicating to the praise of only thee, I pray. Aside from blessings temporal, apart from gifts so kind, I'm thankful for the giver more than all the gifts combined. I'm thankful, Lord, for who thou art, for thy great love divine that stooped one day at Calvary's cross and saved a soul like mine. I'm grateful for the years gone by in which with guiding hand thou hast with utmost wisdom led all by a perfect plan. I'm thankful, Lord, for many things apart from gifts so kind. I'm thankful for the giver more than all the gifts combined. You know, the Bible tells Uh, God told his people in the Old Testament not to tempt the Lord. For lack of, I don't have a lot of time here, but bottom line, let me summarize it this. Hey, he said, you've tempted me these ten times. The idea of tempting the Lord really has this idea. Lord, I'm going to serve you so long as you do X, Y, and Z. And if you don't do X, Y, and Z, then I'm not going to serve you. You know, regardless of what God does that we think he needs to do, he saved our soul. And we need to recognize and emphasize and accentuate in our minds all that we have in him. And I can rejoice in the Lord, the, the, the writer here, Hebak, I can he could rejoice why, even though everything in verse 17 was going to be bad, he could rejoice in the God of His. Salvation. A thankful heart really comes from a right focus on the Lord. Number two, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Not only do we have a choice to acknowledge your Lord, but 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, I think this is important for us. A choice, secondly to accept your loss. Sometimes we suffer loss in life. Things don't go the way we think. We don't get the raise. We don't get the promotion. The Apostle Paul here in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 had a thorn in the flesh. He had something that he wanted God to remove in his life. He says in verse number 5, of such an one will I glory yet of myself I will not glory but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth to to me to be, or that he heareth of me, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation that was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The Apostle Paul had some privileges. But he said, hey, to keep me humble, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. We don't know specifically what that was. Some people say maybe it was eyesight, maybe a physical ailment. The Bible doesn't really tell us exactly what it is. But whatever it was, he felt like he could serve God better. He said, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Verse number eight, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. So I had this ailment, I had this sickness, I had this thing that I felt like was hindering me, and so I went to the Lord in prayer. And we know the Apostle Paul believed in prayer, we know that he saw his prayers answered, and he goes to God, God I think I could serve you better if I didn't have this particular challenge in my life. And the heavens are brass, he gets a no for an answer. He goes a second time and says, Lord, I think that if you would just do this, I think I could serve you better. By the way, don't sometimes we do that? We go to God and say, Lord, I can't live without X. I, I need this in my life. I need you to deliver here. and I need you to work. And by the way, I think we ought to. I think we have not because we ask not. And often God is going to, uh, to answer our prayer. But God knows what's best. And he comes a third time, and he says, Lord, could you get rid of this? If you could just get rid of this, Lord, I could serve you better. And God says no. God says what? God communicates. Verse 9, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. He recognizes that. He accepts that. How do we know that? Because look at what he says next. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Look at the next verse. Therefore I complain. I murmur. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, not because he was superhuman, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You see, there came a time in his life where he had to say, Okay, God, there's a loss in my life. There's something that's not going to change. There's so- By the way, I think you should change what you can change. There's a lot of things that you can change. A lot of things. People say, Well, I, I need money. Well, do you have a job? No. We'll get a job. <laughs> All right. Well, this house needs to be cleaned. Well, let's clean it. <laughs> I should better be careful. I might get in there. The dishes need to be done. How many of you dish did, did dishes over Thanksgiving? Men, put your hands up. How many of you men did dishes? I don't okay, we got a couple of us. All right. I did a lot of dishes. I don't mind doing dishes. Because you, it's kind of a, I was telling this brother here, it's kind of like how many dishes can I get in this dishwasher? It's kind of like a little puzzle, you know? By the way, just for what it's worth, if you put too much silverware in there, it ain't going to get clean, all right? It's not going to, so don't do that because that's kind of gross to pull a fork out and there's, yeah, all right. In any event, where in the world am I? Oh, excepting some, how did I get the dishes? I don't know. Accepting, There are things in our lives where we have to sometimes say, okay, this isn't going to change. God has allowed this in my life, and I have to accept it, and I have to draw upon his grace. We don't naturally glory in our infirmities. We don't naturally say, hey, I broke my leg. I'm just so happy about it. People say, what's wrong with that? Or you say this. I would say this. They're still on pain meds. (laughs) Daniel had surgery. In September it's interesting Daniel had ACL surgery John had meniscus surgery on their knee I'm wondering if the Lord's trying to tell me I <laughs> better uh, not say oh by the way I got to tell you something but I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute in any event uh, Daniel comes out of surgery and he and I are talking today, surgery he says yeah this is great he said I'm surprised I'm not in more pain I thought he's still on the pain they put a nerve block in for him you know a day later Oh, man, this is really painful. We have to learn to accept things we cannot change. And when we do, we're not glorying. Hey, I'm happy I had surgery on my knee. No, we're saying, you know what? God is going to give me grace to handle this situation. What happens, why we start complaining, is because we don't, Hebrew says, you access God's grace. You fail the grace of God, and what happens? Bitterness. You know, there's a lot of bitter people in this world, holding on to stuff, holding on to stuff. And it comes out periodically. You get on the wrong topic, and there's a rise. and I don't want to talk about that. Because they're holding on to bitterness. Do you know the answer for bitterness is to access the grace of God? Romans 5 says we access God's grace by faith. So we say, God, I'm going to take your grace as God's divine enablement. God, I'm going to take your grace, your divine enablement for the situation that I'm in the midst of. You see boy, I need a lot of grace. 2 Corinthians says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. If you need all the grace that existed, all the grace that there was, if you needed it, God would say, here it is. I'm going to give you all the grace in the whole wide world. God's grace is sufficient. But our problem is we have a hard time. We want to rejoice, number one, our circumstances are not the Lord. But our problem is we have a hard time sometimes accessing God's grace because we don't like things to... How many of you like change? (laughs) Most people like routine. They don't like... Change, but the reality is, life does change. Things do happen, and sometimes we can find ourselves here, in the midst of, Second Corinthians twelve. Paul, hey, Lord, I need you to do this. Please do this, Lord. And God says, My grace is sufficient. When I access God's grace, I can learn to glory. I can learn to, to, uh, to, to, to find. Um, God's will in it, to to accept God's will. Um, In September 1881, just 16 years after the Civil War, Vice President Chester Arthur became the 21st President of the United States when James Garfield died. In November, having been in office for just over two months, Arthur, whose father was a Baptist preacher, issued a proclamation for a day of thanksgiving in which he wrote this, quote, And although at this period, when the falling leaf admonishes us that the time of our sacred duty is at hand, our nation still lies in the shadow of great bereavement. And the mourning which has filled our hearts still finds its sorrowful expression toward the God before whom we but lately bowed in grief. And supplication. What's he saying? He said, "You know what? This is a time when it's really a tough time, but we're still going to be grateful. Countless yet countless benefits which have showered upon us during the past 12 months call for our fervent gratitude and make it fitting that we should rejoice with thankfulness." Uh, that what the Lord in his infinite mercy has singly favored our country and our people. What's he saying? Hey, it was a tough time. But We're going to take a time out anyway. By the way, sometimes the, the now, what I'm going through now, can eclipse the 12 months of God's faithfulness. What he's saying is, yes, God has been good to us all year long, and even though we're in a difficult time now, we're going to still praise God, and we're going to accept what God has allowed in our lives a acceptance with your loss. In second Corinthians eleven, you go back a page, Paul went through a whole bunch of stuff. Verse 24, 40 stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten in journeys, weariness, painfulness, verse 27. Who is weak? Verse twenty-nine. Look at verse number thirty. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. We we looked at this a few uh, a few days ago. All said, I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. What's he saying? I've learned how to be abased, how to abound. His contentment wasn't found in his circumstances. And there are times where we have to accept what comes our way. Let me give you a third key, and we'll be finished. Turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And we'll look at one verse here. By the way, what I was going to tell you earlier, this friend of mine that I'm trying to win to Christ? Some of you are going to get a kick out of this. Um, he and I were talking this week, and he said this to me. He said, "When I'm around you, I get an energy." I go, like, oh, "That's cool." You know, I think he's Hindu. But here's what he said. <laughs> he said, "I get a very relaxing and calm energy." I said, "I'm going to go home and tell my wife that." <laughs> I came home and told the family, I am bringing a very calm and relaxing energy. <laughs> had nothing to do with the message. It just cracked me up. I thought it was so funny. Number three. Here's the thought, and then we'll look at the verse. Number thirdly, third key is a choice to appreciate your life. In verse number 17 of 1 Timothy 6, The Bible says this, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Now look at this last phrase, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. In James 1 and verse 17, every good and perfect gift comes from above. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse 8, having food and raiment therewith, let us be content. Philippians 4, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. We need to learn to appreciate what we do have that God has given us to enjoy. Sometimes our focus is on what we do not have. By the way, God says he'll supply all your needs. If there's something that you have or don't have that you think you need, talk to God about it, because sometimes we think we need, and God doesn't think we need, and if we do need, then God will give us that need, and sometimes we can find ourselves off the beaten path, we find ourselves not seeing what God has given us right before our eyes. A 2018 study was done asking Americans to estimate the median income of the rest of the world. You can come up with a number right now if you think. What is the median? This was 2018, the median income of the rest of the world. On average, respondents guessed that it was $20,000 per year. In reality, the global median income at the time was $2,100 per year. Even if you adjust for cost of living factors, people in America have an average annual income 10 times higher than people in other countries. Does the fact that they, us, we, benefit from a remarkable financial disparity produce gratitude and contentment? Often people in America are not regularly thankful are happy. Instead there's a desire to want more. But compared to the rest of the world you're rich. All of us are rich. I read about a guy who was going to sell his house. Got a friend who was a realtor and said now I'm going to describe the house and I want you to write it down and read it back. And so uh, and then you can put it in the paper for an ad. So he told him about the house and then the realtor read it back. While he was reading it the man said wait a minute, wait a minute. Read it again. He read it back again. Then the man said, the house isn't for sale. All my life I've dreamed of a house like that, and I didn't even realize what I had. Sometimes we don't realize what we have until we don't have it. Which takes me to my second thought, not just appreciating what you have, but appreciating who you have who has God put in your life. For sake of time, I'm just going to read you a bunch of verses. You can write down the references as you want. If you want, I am amazed at how many times the apostle Paul is thankful for the individuals that God has put in his life. In 2 Timothy 1, Onesiphorus, in Romans 1 and verse 8, I'm thankful for your testimony. 1 Corinthians 1, I'm thankful for your growth. Ephesians 1, I'm thankful for your faith and love. Philippians 1 and verse 3, I'm thankful for your fellowship. Colossians 1, 3 and 4, I'm thankful for your faith in Christ and love to the saints. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 and 3, I'm thankful for your faithfulness. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13, he says, I'm thankful for your teachable spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 7 to 9, I'm thankful for your standing In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, I'm thankful that your faith grows and love abounds. Philemon 4 through 7, I'm thankful for your love and for the refreshment of the saints. God has been good to all of us. Psalm 68, He daily loadeth us with benefits. We have a lot more thankful spirit if we would appreciate the things that God has given us and the people that God has put in our life. You say, yeah, but they get on my nerves. And You don't think you get on their nerves? They just don't say anything about it. I mean, all of us have strengths and weaknesses. All of us can bring a calm, but some of us sometimes can bring a less than calm atmosphere. (laughs) Where would we be without the individuals that God has put in our life? How long has it been since you said to an individual that God has put in your life, I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful that God has put you in my life? By the way, I've said this many a time. I know it's going to be a surprise to some of you. They can't hear you when they're laying in the box, you know, before the service. Yo, I appreciate you. And we have a testimony time don't we? And really that testimony time is for us to remember and appreciate the impact of whoever it is they had on our life. But I think it's a good thing while people are alive to tell them you appreciate them. And we see that in life of the Apostle Paul. You want to have a grateful spirit? Number one, acknowledge your Lord. Meditate on him and all that he's done for you. In saving you, taking care of us. Hey, number two, accept losses that come. When things don't go the way you think they ought to go, accept it from God. And the awesome thing about it is He sends His grace along. It's not like we just have to get over it. No. Access His grace and He'll enable you to get through it. Number three, accept your life. Accentuate all the good that God has done for you. Do you know the only the, the difference between an individual that is negative and an individual that is positive? A choice. Tell really you what it is. I will. I am making that choice. Lord, we love you today. Lord, help us to be grateful